Switcherude on me. I thought you were going to enter the show with your Adele impersonation. No, because you were just making fun of it. Well, so I'm not doing it. I didn't get the context of it. Well, it doesn't matter. It's supposed to be about surprising you with how I say hello. And I okay. got out of the shower this morning and I heard hello. There you go. And <laughs> you laughed in my face the first time we did it. I didn't, again, I didn't get the context. That's I didn't right. know what we were going for. Well, but you are always up for a surprise. Always up for a surprise. You are. And it's our last podcast yes. of 2019. Yeah. And I thought we'd go out with a bang. Clearly, we had a new intro. Yeah. I just love that song. I love just the nostalgia of it and just closing of a chapter and thought it could be really fun to end with Auld Lang Syne. I have always had a dream because I'm a closet romantic. You are very romantic. I've always had a dream of being in some really great penthouse in downtown New York City mm. on New Year's Eve, all of us dressed in tuxes and things. Wow. And Just singing going for the high and life. singing that song together. <laughs> Just really going for that. I don't that. know what that's about. Yeah. I don't it's probably never going to happen. Yeah, it may not. I mean, who knows it, it could. I mean, I don't know. You got friends in high places. I don't know. <laughs> jet on up and I'm a, a sucker for a good rom com at Christmas, so mm. I don't know. Maybe it's a little that's when Harry I... met Sally. It does sound yeah. very yeah fun. I mean, I agree. Like the whole ball on New Year's sounds like really fun. But that is speaking not... of New Year's. Yes, we're taking it back. We're going to talk about. We're coming up on the end of a decade. True. Has that hit everybody? You know, I think it's it's. Is starting to hit people. And I think it's also starting to force us to kind of like take an inventory of like what, like that's 10 years is a lot. Heck yeah. You know? And so we're heading into the 20s. It's the roaring 20s. <laughs> we'll see how roaring they are. No, I mean, I, th- I think at the first part of this, I mean, we had, we had a new president. Mm-hmm. We had the first African-American president elected. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was mm-hmm. amazing. We have mm-hmm. just shattered so many things in our mm-hmm. country. Um, what else? And um, then we've had all the backlash, right? We're in a very divisive time. This decade has been one of the most divisive decades in it history. Really has culturally, been. politically, spiritually. 
all of it has Some days been I think we're tough. going backwards. Some days. And right. Then I read, yes, you know, we just sent up this brand new rocket. You know, we, we ended the shuttle program in this past decade. Uh-huh. And just this, I was either late last night or this morning, we launched the first unmanned uh, space capsule that will carry man back into space mm. from NASA. Mm-hmm. Not from the Russians, but from NASA. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, you know. Pretty cool stuff. Amazing. But what we are going to talk about, obviously, because this is about Jesus said love. Yes, not NASA. So we wanted to kind of give an audible recap of like a decade report, not an annual report, but like a decade. This has been so fun to go back, to pull some numbers, to really look at the tangibles of like what we've been able to do in a decade because of listener Support. We yeah. didn't even have list of donor support, um, right. but it's just been it's it's remarkable. It's been a fun trip down memory lane, and we're also joined hey by our now longest serving staff member, Jersey Schmidt, Woo! whose name really Hello. is Kelsey. But we'll get into that in a minute. This is her first time on the podcast. She's been with us half of the past decade for five years, mm-hmm. which has been like the. Busiest five years, totally for Busiest sure. Five years, it's crazy transition. It's yeah. been it's been a decade for sure. <laughs> okay, so let's start first. Everyone knows you as Jersey, but that's not your name. No, it is not my name. So give us your real name. So my real name is Kelsey. And why do we call you Jersey? So when I first came on as an intern mid decade, <laughs> um, there was a Kelsey on staff. She's so wonderful, and it was just getting way too confusing with the emails and I don't know we were using Slack at that point, but all the messaging systems of like which Kelsey you're talking to. And so I think I had told y'all when I'd first joined that I was from New Jersey, and I was like, "You want a nickname?" And I was like, "I'm here for it." And so <laughs> Jersey it was, and it kind of just stuck. And even when Kelsey moved on and moved to Colorado, I was like, "Well, everybody knows me as Jersey through JSL, so I'm just gonna keep it. I love it." It's like on our business cards. On oh, my business cards. Everybody's yeah. always like, gosh, it's such a badass name. Like they love it. You yeah, know, it's, it's yeah, so it's it's cute, it's fun. And it gets interesting when I meet people outside of JSL who mm-hmm. um, know me as Kelsey, but then they'll meet me through context with JSL and it's like, Well, I thought you were Kelsey, but Jersey and also your right. social media and what. And uh-huh. so it's always a fun little story to get to share to, with people. Well, we're glad you're on today. She's gonna chime in here and there. Because we- she um, is our director of social enterprise. Yes. So she helped develop all things lovely. But she didn't start there. Nope. She started nope. as an intern. Yep. 2015 summer. You did my uh, interview. And I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> Where did y'all it? meet for your dichotomy. interview? Dichotomy. Always Actually, dichotomy. We were talking about this the other day and Brett goes, who interviewed you? Was it like Kelsey or was it Kelly? And I was like, Brett, it, it was you. And he was like, no, I didn't. And I was like, yes, you did. <laughs> The old future of date <laughs> strikes again. Yeah, I remember walking into to, into Dichotomy. Brett was already there, and he had this huge pot of tea yep. that he did not share with me. <laughs> you didn't <laughs> All ask. All on his own. Uh, no, I got a coffee that day. But yeah, that's when I yeah came on. And, and what was your internship for at that point? Yeah, it started off, I thought I was going to do like executive intern and just kind of help catch all administrative type things, but... Um, as time went on and into the fall, I just got more and more involved with the awareness apparel and doing all the online shipping and fulfilling and um, reordering of shirts and inventory and all of that and found my niche. And so I ended up doing that throughout the fall into the spring and just kind of stayed on with JSL since. So. And I have to admit, that was such a lifesaver because I mm. used to ship all the shirts back in the day. 
Mm-hmm. And I haven't shipped a shirt since you've come on. <laughs> and so I thank you for that because that yes. was always All hail. not fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. So what we thought we'd do is we are going to go through the like 10 for 10. Yeah. So top 10. VH1 does their top of the 10. the past 10 years. We're doing top 10. We're doing not just top 10 for 2019, but top 10 for the decade. So yeah. it's 10 for 10. So let's start. What's number one? 1500 Columbus. Hey. Oh my gosh. That was a game changer. Uh, yeah. The fact that we got a building. When we started Jesus Said Love, it was in our little back guest house. We um, were, it was, we were flying solo. I mean, really, it was you and I and some volunteers. We would meet in our front room at our main house. We would house women sometimes in the back house. We would babysit dogs as they went to rehab or had transitions. And it really was very organic and grassroots, but it was needing structure. Yes, we, it was needing business structure. Yeah. But the one thing we didn't want to do is lose the homey feel. True. Because that was what we grew to realize was an integral part. People would walk in our home and just take big, deep breaths and go, ah, oh, I feel so peaceful here. Yeah. So in 20, what, what year was it that we were gifted the building? Okay, so we sat down with this wonderful couple at Common Grounds, and they said, what do you guys need? And we, were, we, we had identified this building as something we wanted, and so we were just telling everybody the story. We need, uh, we, we need to buy this thing for like $200,000. Our and partners then, at Hole in the Roof officed here, and we yep, knew they were going to buy 1125 gonna, Washington. Right. So this was going to be going on the market. Right. And they knew we were, because Genevieve's one of our board members, and they knew they were going to be selling this building. And they were like, do you guys want a first offer at, at buying this building? And we were like, we don't have $200,000. Like, but we were like, sounds I great. mean, they put a sign in the yard. And yeah. I mean, we were just committed to, we're going to tell the story. And people ask, it's $200,000 and we think we can renovate it for a hundred. So it's it 20, what? That was 2013. 2013 is when we started talking about for it. For sale. Okay. Maybe mid 2013. Okay. So 2014, we sit down with this couple and they said, what do you guys need? And we said, well, you know, this is what we need. We want to buy this building and da, 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 da. And they said, we love what you're doing. Let's take a week and pray. And then we'll come back and talk. So a week later, we go back to Common Grounds and we sit down and pleasantries. And then, and then he says, so we've been thinking about what you guys need. And um, why don't you go ahead and put us down for two? Yeah. Remember that? Well, I I thought that, though, was in 2015 because our Dallas team was here and, and f- in 2014. And we were like... No, we, we closed in October of 2014. Okay. Okay. Cool. You got to trust me on these numbers. Yeah. I'm doing so, it. So he said, put me down for two. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, that's so kind. Thank you. Two, like $2,000. That puts us that much further ahead. And he started laughing. And I said, what's so funny? And he said, I think you missed what I said, Brett. Put me down for 200000 And then you go use that and raise the hundred to renovate. And I fell on the floor. Nobody had ever given us that kind of money and that paid for the building. Mm. And so we bought the building, we closed in October, 2014. And then we spent the next year and a half renovating. Um, and then we opened, when did we open? 20? 2016. Yeah. November 15th, 2016 was when we did our ribbon, ribbon cutting. cutting. Yep. So cool. Yeah. I thought, yeah, I just, I thought being gifted this space, you know, I, I, it really was blood, sweat, and tears poured into this thing. And um, even when it was just 
knocking it down to studs. Of course, we had the asbestos abatement that came up. Oh we had lots of unforeseen expenses. You you pulled so many nights building our cabinetry and our desks, and um, I think your hands probably still hurt from running those saws and stains and Maybe. all that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, you know, we we ran out of money. Yeah, you know, everything right. became more expensive, and we learned the hard way. We got taken to the cleaners by some contractors mm-hmm. and. You know, I mean, electrical, just, I mean, all those unforeseen things. But, that, but then, you know, uh, speaking of electrical, I got to give this shout out. Yes. My gosh. So we've got this bid from um, Williams Electric Company mm-hmm. here in Waco, Texas. And and it was, you know, it was something like $20,000, I think. And they were basically re retrofitting the entire building, like from mm. the ground up. And we get to the end, and the owner Barry Williams, and I'm I, even if this is embarrassing to him, mm-hmm. I want everyone to know his generosity. He texted me and said, "Hey, um, it's a gift. Mm. We've we've been honored to be a part of this project, mm-hmm. and we look forward to how that space is going to serve so many women in our community." Yeah, they freaking mm. comped all that electrical it's work. Amazing. I mean, it's just it truly is the generous community that we live in. I mean, the, the plumber, um, mm-hmm. the uh, Central Texas Plumbing Solutions, yeah. they knocked off so much money. They yeah. they gave us our, we, we had to have a water fountain. You yeah. know, that's the, why do you have to have a water fountain in 2017? But you do <laughs> to pass inspection. Well, they gave it to us and it's, and we know how many uh, plastic water bottles we're saving. 3,200. I actually yeah. looked the other yeah, 30, <laughs> I was actually refilling the Keurig this morning wow. and I was like, oh, wow, we've hit 3,200. We have saved 3,200 plastic bottles. Yep. Wow. Over the past two years and being in the That's really awesome. Amazing. That's really great. Um, And we also um, know that even in this space, we were able to carry everything from the colors. Um, Leslie Myrick, who helped us with the design and the color palette, really choosing, you know, to offer comfort and offer a space that would not be triggering to people who've encountered sex exploitation or violence, um, human trafficking. It really does have a piece about it. It we does, are but I have grateful. to say, babe, while, while we did have her help and she was great, I think at the end of the day, we can all say the vision of this space, it was yours. Mm-hmm. You were the one that held our feet to the fire on being intentional about every like piece of furniture, every rug, every... It's if it, it uh, it's got to be straight. It's not. It can't be crooked. That Does piece that of art. Does that kind of drive you crazy? In the mo- <laughs> in the moment, it drives me crazy. But as I look back, but then you step back and you're like, oh, that totally makes sense, and it makes it and so it matters, much better. and it matters, and it matters to our women, and it matters to the guests who come through. I mean, even just yesterday, I'm in lovely talking with some folks who had come in, and and they were blown away by it. This mm-hmm. that was their first time in. And you're the one that picked that color for over there. And it's mm-hmm. this dreamy white that's kind of mm-hmm. pink. And at first we were like, it's too pink. But everyone comes in and they're like, this place is lovely. Mm-hmm. And not yeah. to be corny, but that's what they say when yeah. they walk in. And I, I think that's just, I think that's the beauty of your attention to detail. It's not about perfection. It's about intentionality. Yeah, I love intentionality. Because that's what well, yeah. that's what ministers to people and speaks to people. So mm-hmm. yeah. it's all you, babe. Well, um, I loved having hands-on help of women who wanted to offer, you know, all of us have different things we can offer to help nonprofits who are struggling and 
even some of our women um, came up. I remember sanding the floors and oh, yes. staining the mm-hmm. floors. And I remember one of them. I said, "Do you do you think you could mop as we after we've sanded? Can you mop it really good so that we can go back and stain it?" And she goes, "Girl, I've been in the pen for four years. I know how to sling a mop." And I'm like, "Yeah, you do." And so we laughed so hard. But um, I mean, these floors were all of us, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the painting, one of our survivors had a dad who was a painter. So we hired him to come and help paint and the boxes out front, the landscaping, you know, from Redwood and just beautiful. And I just, I love these tangible reminders of the community impact that it takes. And there is something incredibly special and about having a physical, tangible space to name and to steward, um, like a little Eden, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and there's really something beautiful and spiritual about that, um, to us. So we are very grateful for our building as our number one. And And if you're ever in the Waco area over the next year, stop by 1500 Columbus. We'll give you a tour. You'll love it. Yes. Number two. Lovely enterprises. (laughs) Woo. Let's talk about lovely. Speaking of lovely, yeah. yeah, I mean, Jersey, what a what a ride. Totally. What a I like think back on it, starting off as an intern in 2015, and then even just that first year, how much had yeah, developed and Mm. been dreamed and grown. And so yeah, I think as I was doing the awareness peril that fall, moving into the spring, started kind of more so working on the side of creating t-shirts and helping design and um, really realizing as we were moving into the final stages of getting the building done, like, well, we have this space. We knew that half of it was going to be offices, half of it was going to be revenue side. Um, and then that that one meeting will always stick with me when we brought, I think, 30 plus Mm -hmm. women that we have just been in a relationship over the years, brought them to the space and said, what do you guys want this to be? Mm -hmm. Um, We want to hear from you. And the two main things, training and then jobs. And so, I mean, that's where Mm -hmm. your heart was. Well, Mm -hmm. we need, we need our awareness apparel to do more than just sell t-shirts. Like that's great. And it it creates some income, but if it's not impacting the women that we're working with, then what's the point type of thing. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of started the whole Mm -hmm. process of, yeah, researching and mm-hmm. figuring out like, well, how do nonprofits work with businesses or is is there a partnership or connection there? And then figuring out social enterprise. Um, and then alongside all of your mother side stuff, I think mm-hmm. was that spring as well. We went to a conference, met with uh, the president of the Giving Keys, Britt mm-hmm. Grimmore, and got to talk with her. And she, yeah, walked us through like, what is mm-hmm. social enterprise? And then starting our own research into it. Yeah. So even before that, before we went out to LA, um, Brett and I drove down probably in 2015 to meet with um, Raven and Lily, the CEO of Raven and Lily. And probably starting in 2014, when we were gifted this space and I saw that it's naturally divided into two spaces, knowing we wouldn't need the whole thing for training and counseling mm-hmm. and those types. And I just started thinking um, about what what could what could this space become and started doing a lot of research on social enterprises um, and knowing that since we were working with women in 2004, we were outsourcing jobs. All the time. We were outsourcing, outsourcing, trying to find employers, trying to find healthy workspaces. And it just 
it, it doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. And I really just had this dream of this space that would be a safe space for survivors, that would be a space eventually that they could even bring their kiddos if they needed to. Um, it would be a great space also to incubate businesses and launch micro micro businesses because so many women are entrepreneurs. So we just started doing some research online and then started visiting with other businesses that had similar frameworks. But mm-hmm. really this idea of social enterprise in the U.S. was relatively new. Yeah. And there for sure in Waco wasn't, this idea wasn't happening where Mm -hmm. the social enterprise is the program of the nonprofit, but it's set up to help make money and launch businesses and create jobs um, for those who are impacted by poverty and sex exploitation. So we went out to LA, Mm -hmm. we visited homeboy industries, giving keys, um, we got to meet, hook up with Treasures LA. I'm still Harmony. jealous of that trip. I wasn't was invited great, to go Jersey on Jersey dreamed it up. It was a great well, trip. Jersey didn't want you to come. You. <laughs> Sorry. Glad y'all had your moment out there. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh yeah. There was, I just, yeah. remember being in the Giving Keys <laughs> and seeing their space is really cool. It's a, it's a big open room and realizing like this, this could be us. Like this could, we can bring this back to Texas and this could be our space for the women that we're working with. And Em and I got dinner. I think it was dinner afterwards. And I just looked at her, and the ugly, uh, the ugly cry just commenced. <laughs> it was tears everywhere. And I don't even know if you could yeah. understand half of what I was saying to you. I don't at know that if point. you understood back. <laughs> I was just like, "Thank you." And I think your words were like, "I want to help you build this dream." Mm-hmm. Like I see it now. Like I want to help you. And like words to my heart have <laughs> never just but to, I think what's so critical a, yes what's so critical and big about those words was you Jersey were on a trajectory to go to medical school yes mm. I was actually mid studying for the MCAT and so this was a <laughs> this was a major moment for it you was, it was I'm it either going to go right and go medical school or I'm going to go all in on this fat risk and that was your moment there in in LA. Yeah. Sitting, sitting at dinner with you, Em. And I was like, I just know that this is what God has before me. And I don't, and I think I said like, I don't know what this looks like. I don't know if it's a volunteer position. Mm. Um, I know that I'm been working part time for you guys, but I don't know what that could expand to. And, but I was like, I'm all in, it's my yes, I'm here for it. And I'll figure out the rest of the details when I get back to Texas. And I have to talk to my parents. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that mom and dad. <laughs> it's like, ah, ee. Break on those dreams. You can go to medical school anytime you want. Oh, my. Um, So let's talk about some of the things that Lovely is encompassing. Um, One of our first hires was Mimi, who was a part-time employee. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember her having a newborn and just this being her newborn's, like, first experience as a child was embodied all around all things lovely. And she did tours. She helped us inventory. She sold things before she went on to her next Mm -hmm. job. Really incredible moment. Yeah. I remember getting to work with her in lovely and it was just one of the days we were doing inventory of all of our t-shirts and, um, yeah, she had her son with her and literally just put him up on the carpet, let him like roam around a little bit and her and I just got to work. And so she, yeah, she's just one of those incredible people that yeah, two two or three weeks after giving birth, she was like, mm-hmm. "I want to be here. I want to. Yeah. I'm ready to work." And she did. She did. And had we been able to make a hire, it would have been great. Yeah. And that's where our listeners and supporters come in because yeah. if we don't sell, we don't 
create yeah. revenue for mm-hmm. employing women. And that is one of the main visions of Lovely is to it be is. able to hire, yes. not just here's some here's a couple bucks, right. but like living wage hire. Changing mm-hmm. the generational poverty cycle yes. is what we want to be about. It's hard getting there. It is. It's like the biggest challenge ever. Yeah. It's and like, it's it's crazy because you see what what can happen and mm. um, being in relationship with all of the women that we've worked with and getting to see how being in a safe environment has helped build the resume, even if it's yes. just for a little bit, if we can only hire them for a couple of hours, but having that consistency yeah. and how that's helped them in future jobs of being consistent. Right. Um, yeah. They're really gaining some hard skills. Yes. And if you're, if you're listening out there and you're of the business mind, you might be thinking kind of a standard business idea of, well, why don't you go take out a small business loan and that will take care of your payroll so you can hire people. We don't do loans here. We're bootstrapping we, it, people. We don't. We don't want to be in debt, and <laughs> we we want to be model. revenue generating. And so that's just some some value that we've agreed to over the past several years. And so we're not going to take out business loans to pay people. We want our products and our the revenue that we generate to pay people. So we need for you to come by, mm-hmm. shop online, shop online, share us on Instagram, and donate. So be an investor. You yeah. could be an investor in Lovely. Um, and get a tax write-off for that. Or if you have a foundation that's all about employing women and vulnerable women to trafficking, this would be a great investment. If you have a million five that you just need to unload. Yep. We are here. 1500 Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's talk about some of the hard numbers. So, so Lovely Enterprises is a social enterprise of Jesus said love that exists to change lives. It exists to reduce recidivism into the sex trade and launch you know, gainful employment and micro-businesses. So mm-hmm. Access 2 is, um, we haven't even talked about Access 1, but Access 2 is the entrepreneurial track for our Access 1 graduates if they want to start their own business. Yeah, it's self-paced, so um, it takes a lot of um, grit and grind for for people that want to start their own businesses. It's, it's totally... Um, working alongside whatever job they are currently holding and then on the side really just developing their business plan to hopefully pitch for a microloan down the road um, to help grow their business. And so it's one-on-one scheduling, uh, meeting after meeting, Mm -hmm. and um, yeah, really just working hard. Um, I know a lot of the skills that they learn in Access, um, computer skills and Excel and spreadsheets and all of that comes into play and it's reviewing a lot of that things to create um, hopefully a model for where they're just doing it on their own in the future. And so how many hours have you spent working with Access 2 students since, I don't know, since we launched Access 2? Yeah. So we first started, we launched it fall of 2018. Okay. Um, and since then I've, I've worked about probably, yeah, close to 130, probably 140 hours total uh, one-on-one hours with access to And those to have been all positive and fresh and happy <laughs> and lovely hours. Oh, just perfect. <laughs> Everything's just perfect. Sunshine and <laughs> no, no rain. No tears, no frustrations, just all joy. All joy. It, well, truly, it is all joy. Even the hard joy. parts are still mm-hmm. joy. Um, but it definitely is a bit of a roller coaster at times. It's lots of highs and lots of lows mm-hmm. and navigating that together. Um and relying on community partners as well to mm-hmm. help inform those um, mm-hmm. decisions for their businesses. And yeah. Yeah, we are very grateful. Part of our Access to program is really creating a space for 
um, entrepreneurs to succeed and become bankable. So we don't give them a grant. We give them a microloan. This is done through a partnership and a plan through TFMB, your bank for life. And so mm, we are super grateful folks. for them being willing to take yes. kind of a, a risk, a risk on hey, doing yeah, this with David a David Littlewood, president and CEO mm-hmm. there at the bank, he said, we've never done anything like this, but let's try it. We can take some risks. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So revenue since 2016. Oh, no. We're going to go revenue since 2010. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is... So, revenue for Lovely since its launch in 2016 is 112697 Okay. So, that's just been in the last couple of years. Okay. But over the entire decade, because okay. we're talking about a decade, $262,116. <laughs> Are you out of breath? <laughs> I think in 2010, it was like $3,000. That's awesome. And so, it's just been this beautiful little slope up the trajectory mm, yeah. to win. That's so great. we need to see to it go at. more. We've had 20 volunteers and we also have Girl Power Initiative that takes place where we partner with other organizations in the community that is a program in the summer to empower young girls towards self-esteem and self-confidence. Yay! Lovely is lovely. Lovely's Take lovely. us to number three, M. Number three is Access. Ooh. So we mentioned Access One a little bit ago. Access is a Eight week, eight week holistic training program for those who've been impacted by commercial sex exploitation. Um, we hit on physical, mental, emotional uh, health. We focus on life skills and job training. Those are the five areas. Within that, I mean, we've got finance classes, parenting classes, leadership development, spiritual formation. Um, but after access, Women are prepared to gain employment. And one of the ways that we do this, shout out to all of our job sites and our corporate partnerships that provide through those eight weeks um, spot job placement on Fridays so that women, if they are interested in becoming a vet or becoming a vet assistant, they can do their job site and slash internship for those eight weeks at a vet clinic. So they can really gain, like, is this what I really want to do mm-hmm. or not? Um, so we have so many great employers around. Visiting angels, hole in the roof. Yes. I mean, great local folks here in town. Uh, what was that one company? Oh my goodness, I'm blanking on their name. I don't know. I should have wrote it down. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry to the company. I can't remember. We're, we're really <laughs> thankful for you. Well, we're going to tag. I want to tag all these employers. So so Access is, is great because of the 17 graduates that we have had, all of them have gone on, right? 17. All of them have gone on to gain employment and or pursue higher education. 100%. 100% employment mm-hmm. after they graduate. That's for an eight-week program. Those are incredible numbers mm-hmm. for survivors of sex exploitation and or human trafficking. So yeah. it's an intense program. The cool thing about it, it is our most expensive program to run and operate because of the staffing, but also because the women earn wages as they go through. So they are scholarshiped students. Yep. So it costs $4,300 for every access student to go through the program. Of our 17 that have graduated, three have pursued access to and become access to students to help launch their own businesses. Um, so that's really incredible as well. Yeah. Um, within access, every student is paired up with an alliance partner. So I want to give a shout out also to our alliance partners. We These are great alliance we partners. We have awesome oh my gosh. alliance partners. They yes. are, you know, I think what's so incredible is that 
for women who have lived in this life, it is been, it's, it's sometimes the only network that you have mm-hmm. are other women in the life hustling, doing, you know, running the game, whether it's addiction or, you know, sex work, it's like that becomes your network. That becomes the reality that you live into. And so our Alliance partners offer a different lens on what the community looks like and, mm-hmm. and what their knowledge of life is and their connection. So Alliance partners are not mentors. They're not counselors. They're not fixers. They're not Sunday school teachers. They're not, <laughs> they, they may do that elsewhere, but these are women in the community who have said, I will partner with you. And that Alliance is about mutuality. It's about using these two powers that are coming together to form a friendship. And so they meet once a week with women through access and commit to doing that for a year, just as being another resource, another community contact, really expanding their access in our Waco community. Yeah, it's so cool. It's I awesome. mean, even last night at our Christmas party, yeah, access. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alliance partners were visiting with their their respective mm-hmm. um, access students. It was great. Ready for number four? I know I am. Stop the man school. Go for it. Stop the man school. We started. We began the process in 2015, but we actually launched our first class in 2017. And what it is, it's a class for those who are arrested buying sex. They're required to take it as part of their restitution, part of their, their process. And um, to date, we've had um, 158 men go through this class. Amazing. And it has been, I'm telling you, it's changed me. Mm-hmm. Um, you, Emily, actually signed us up to do this, <laughs> un, unbeknownst to me. <laughs> and you came back and told me, hey, we're going to start this program for sex buyers. And I thought, okay. And, um, but I didn't immediately sign you up. I, I said, we're going to do this program. And there's an ex, or, or there was a Waco PD officer who ran it. But when you started going and attending, you were like, I think I can do this. Well, yeah. That's, <laughs> I think that, I can do it better. I guess that, yeah. Let's I did, say. I did think. No, I know. I mean, Detective Anita Johnson is a hero She's in amazing. this from the Waco mm-hmm. Police Department. She is a hero. She actually brought the very first John School to the state of Texas. She had worked as a undercover street prostitute and just saw the need for these men. And so this is just a continuation of her vision. Right. And um, so I, I'll tell you where, for me, our very first class is where I kind of got the, the, where it bit me in a good way. Um, just hearing the stories of the men and this one particular guy hearing his story just birthed a significant amount of empathy, not permission sure. or, you know, okay. Mm-hmm. Cause I went into it thinking these are scumbags. Mm-hmm. These are total fools. And how could you do such a thing? But after hearing this story, and I don't have time to tell it right now, but mm-hmm. I, I just, I, the empathy bug hit me. And so now 158 men later, I see every man has a story mm-hmm. about why they got into the position that they were in. It's not because they're, there are some bad guys, absolutely, mm-hmm. but they're not all bad guys. Um, they've made bad decisions. And so one of the things that we do at Stop Demand is to invite them to not let this define who they are, let it inform who they are, but they don't have to walk away and wear this badge for the rest of their life. So, so where did Stop Demand School end up taking you? Well, now, I mean, even heading into 2020, we're trying to make this program available to people in the corporate world, people in the church world. Uh, we're, we're, I mean, we've had people asking us, how do we make this available in schools? Right. Because what we're, you know, we talk about everything about the sex industry and its mm-hmm. harms, and that includes porn and mm-hmm. online stuff. And, and so we know now today there's such a need for that. And so, I mean, it, 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 
I need the church to be talking about this. I had an yeah. opportunity mm-hmm. just a couple of months ago to speak to almost a hundred pastors in East Texas and to invite them to think about these things. And we tiptoe around this in the church. Mm-hmm. And you know, in the corporate world, we don't talk about it because many in the corporate world are a part of it. And so if you start talking about it, then you start to expose them. I mean, um, we had a, a, a friend who had a business and his, it was a construction business and it kind of shut down because his foreman got arrested in this in this one of these things. And so, yeah. you know, for him, it was a loss of revenue for a week. His project was on standstill because this guy got picked up. So if we could go into particular companies that maybe you know, are a little bit more, they, they may be more subject to these, to these issues and to, on the front end, teach their employees ab- about the harms of sex buying. That actually can be a win for companies. Mm-hmm. I mean, oil companies and people like that. I mean, we know that there are large oil and gas companies that at their major conferences, they actually bring in prostitutes mm-hmm. to service yeah. their employees. Mm-hmm. And so if we can actually talk about the harms of that to those companies, it's a win because we truly believe this is a an economic issue. It's a, the sex industry is a four hundred seventy two billion dollar industry, so it's a supply demand thing. And what we've been doing at JSL for so many years, we've worked on the supply side, but now that we work on the demand side, that's where it's at. If there is no demand, there is no need for a supply. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so we've got to target the demand. And so another th- cool thing is. Um, uh, Late last year, I think it was, I was invited to the governor's office, and and they invited t- about twenty stakeholders around mm-hmm. the state, faith based. Uh, the speaker of the house was there, the director of DPS was there, and we all sat around the table and talked about the need to go after demand to because mm-hmm. what we believe is we've got to stop arresting sex workers. Yeah. There's a reason they're doing that. Yes. Yeah. And to arrest them just perpetuates the cycle that they've been in. Yeah. And so it's really cool to be able to to give some influence into that conversation about what we're doing here in McLennan County um, at the state level. So we're really, you know, we're, we're trying to help legislate things like um, making sex buying not the same as a speeding ticket, but to make it a fourth degree state jail felony mm-hmm. because we want to see the buyers stop. And so mm-hmm. we want to penalize them even on their first go. Yeah. And this so. is, you can hear more about that. We have a three-part series on um, the issue of demand if you want to look into that more and hear more about it. But it's it's been incredible yeah, work it's for a major sure. Number, Number five. five. We won't spend a lot of time on this, but you can go do your own research. But one of the coolest opportunities we had in the last decade for me personally was get to be a part of testifying on a House bill in the Texas State Senate, um, Bill 3809, which was relating to limitations for um, sexual abuse, child childhood sexual abuse, which I am a survivor of myself, but also not just the statute of limitations in Texas, but the culpability and of uh, institutions. Mm-hmm. So this bill really was important to us um, not just because we are, we know that childhood sexual abuse grooms women for a life of exploitation and can certainly be a part of their entry into it, but it also means that if there are trafficking situations happening among minors um, in a strip club, that those businesses, if they know and are culpable, and complicit to it, they can now be held accountable. Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the things in light of this that we just saw is like, if we all, if there is a higher standard Mm 
then everyone has to rise to that higher standard. And it's the same thing for what we're promoting with Stop Demand School. If the bar is set here for corporations Mm -hmm. and for, you know, then then everybody rises to the top on that. Mm -hmm. But if we keep creating and generating and overlooking and are complicit to these loopholes that where offenders and people who are committing heinous and evil acts, you know, um, we got to stand with the, the, the heroes, the sheroes of this bill mm-hmm. were the gymnast who had survived the incredulous harm from that Larry Nasser, Dr. Larry Nasser. These were Olympic team, U.S. Olympic team mm-hmm. athletes who had, had endured horrendous and heinous abuse at the, <laughs> at the hands of Larry Nasser, but mm-hmm. with the oversight the, yeah. the sheer mm-hmm. oversight of coaches and the, the USA Gymnastics Association. I mean, it truly, I'm so thankful for this bill because it means um, institutions will be held accountable and victims can now be compensated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it was it was an honor to meet those ladies. Incredible. And Amazing. And you did fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Fantastic. Great. Um, okay, so number six. Number six. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Donors. I want to just brag on our donors for a minute. I mean, when I think back over the decade, I mean, just can I, I, this is what you've done, donors. This is what you've done over the past 10 years. Almost $3.6 million. Wow. Wow. $3.6 million towards those impacted by the commercial sex industry. Incredible. We don't take government grants. Mm. We have received very few private grants. Mm -hmm. The majority of our funding up until the past couple of years has been by moms and dads, college students. We have one, we have two people that have been giving $5 a month from New Hampshire. Awesome. Since the past. Love it. Love them. I mean, things like that. It, <laughs> and, and there's there's three quick stories that come to mind of how you have stepped up specifically above and beyond just your regular. We want to support outreaches. We want to support, support victim services. In 2011, we had a dancer who died and we talked about her for years, Dixie. And uh, it, we were in the hospital room when they pronounced her dead and, and their, her family was deeply impoverished and I remember her mother, when they asked, where would you like the body taken? And her mother, mm-hmm. through tears, said, I don't even know. I can't afford any of this. Mm-hmm. And right in that moment, I stepped out and I pulled him aside and I said, we'll take care of this. Mm-hmm. And as I left, I remember driving around the helipad at Hillcrest Hospital thinking, what did I just commit us to? Because right. we didn't have any money at that yeah. time. It was 2011. Mm-hmm. We didn't have any money. And I went home that night. It was like midnight. And I just fired off an email to our database and said, this is what I've signed us up to do. Can you help? And in 48 hours, we had raised over $9,000 mm. um, from all 50 states and from two countries outside Amazing. of the United States yeah. to support. And we were able to say to her parents, we're going to provide the best funeral possible. And it was a And awesome it was a funeral. ruckus. <laughs> and, and then, you know, a couple of years later, um, we had dancers call us back when the West explosion happened. Yes, we had yeah. three or four dancers call us. They said, we have a friend who lost everything in the apartment complex that, mm. that collapsed. And we sure enough sent an email out to you all. And um, within several days, we had raised $27,000 yeah. to support this single mm. mom mm. who had lost everything. 
everything except what was on her back. Right. And so we, yeah. we were able to provide her with an apartment for mm-hmm. the entire year. Yes. Totally furnish it with like a fat daddy TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was amazing. And then yeah. fast forward to Hurricane Harvey. Yeah. We gave mm-hmm. away over $16,000 in mm-hmm. relief to Hurricane Harvey, particularly around our Houston team. Mm-hmm. And many of the women, they were reaching down. They were able to help mm-hmm. them. But we were also able to even help you, Jersey. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because you, during the storm, were where? I was stuck on a cruise ship. <laughs> so I let one of my friends convince me for her birthday that we were going to go to this, do this cruise. And so I had parked my car in Galveston, was stuck on the ship for at least seven days before I finally got a flight out of New Orleans and came home. Um, whole time thinking my car was okay in the parking lot because that's what the answering machine on the parking mm. lot company said. Uh, I think I, yeah, I went down with M. We were going to bring some donations that people had brought by and we were, um, yeah, bringing them down to Houston and we went to my car. I opened the door and water spilled out and I just, atrocious. oh, it was disgusting. Um, my heart just sank and I was like, there's no way that (laughs) this is, I'm driving this off the lot. It's not happening. So we towed it back and it was a complete loss and salt water destroyed the engine, insurance issues. And so we were by the generosity of donors, yeah. we were able to help get you a new car. And it's still running today. And it's right in the parking <laughs> it's, lot right It's now. right in the parking lot. So, so, so as donors, if you, if you have donated and you don't know, and you don't do- donate anymore, thank you because you've been a part of our story. If you currently donate, thank you. If you spot donate here and there, thank you. If you've ever considered donating to JSL, please, it doesn't matter if it's $5. Again, New Hampshire, $5 a month for the past 10 years has been significant. Um, Your donation dollars matter, and it's all going to great, great causes, and it's helping people. It's bringing people to Jesus, and that's what I'm excited about. So thank you to all of our partners out there for being a part. And here is how your donor dollars have impacted our work. Number seven. Number seven, our impact and our reach. So just in the last year since this building has been open, we have record of 55 women just in Waco alone who have done intake with us, who have received direct survivor Mm -hmm. services. So that is huge. And these are women who, for the most part, this not just drop in, this is on ongoing relationship. So that is just in this year alone, 55 women who've been impacted by commercial sex. We obviously know that's not all in McLennan County, um, but we're hoping to even increase that number more. But here's the deal. Over the past decade plus, so since we began outreaches in 2004, Mm -hmm. so I know that's tacking on like another, you know, five, what? Yeah. Six years, right? Five or six, yeah. close-ish. So in total of the gifts that we have been able to directly hand to women impacted by commercial sex exploitation through club outreaches over the past decade plus has been 35,994 tangible gifts to women Dadgummit. in the industry. That's a lot of gifts. It's an incredible reach. When it's we started a lot back in 2004, did you ever think we would no. be giving away that many th- things? It's still overwhelming to look at that number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just like, that's a lot of women. Well, hey, just, let me let me just tack one. All. Let me just tack one on there mm-hmm. for you. In the past 10 years, how much we've spent on club outreach and lo- just loving women in the industry, $1.3 million. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just on that alone. 
Yeah. It's, you know, and it, and we're going to share in a little bit of what that multiplication can, can look like and Mm -hmm. what it can do. Um, we have helped with 10, about 10 relocations over the past, um, year for, sorry, over the past 10 years, we have, um, serviced for sure that we know of who have made outcries at least 12 women who are identified as human trafficking victims over the past 10 years. Um, our college chapters and impact, we have two incredible new college chapters. So that's yeah. Baylor and UMHB mm-hmm. who are doing education and advocacy work on their campuses. We hope to grow that um, with students who can be more involved and expand those college chapters across Texas. Again, these are just Texas numbers because we're only reaching in Texas. Um, our volunteer database, we've got a thousand volunteers from different spheres who help us with this work. That is Amazing! Our newsletter and social media reach is over five thousand, and our uh, yeah. And then I'll I'll tell you some more numbers. But that's an incredible direct impact yeah. of yeah. how we're doing. And I want to move on. I'm going to jump to this one. Um, I'm going to call number eight so that you can see this story. Number eight is going to be Luna. Oh my goodness, Luna and Summer Shine. Hello, Summer. If you're listening. I'm going to tag you in this podcast, actually, so that I'll make you listen to it. Um, because I want, I want our um, listeners to understand what loving women for the long haul means. So it is super easy to say, hey, we're going to reach this many people. We're just going to go out for Super Bowl outreach, or we're going to go out to all these clubs, or we're going to do online outreaches, and we're going to meet hundreds of thousands of people with gifts, right? And that's great. I mean, that is a reach. That is a significant reach. But how does that transfer into actual transformation? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and this is where our work, this is where Jesus Said Love is a standout organization because we're with women for the long haul. And, and women come and women go and women leave and women come back and we're out of relationship and then we're back in relationship, but we remain consistent. Mm-hmm. We remain steady and grounded in the love and the way that we believe Christ loved and the way that he says, this is who I am and this is my love and it's not going anywhere. And unless it's harmful, right? Unless the relationship is harming someone, um, then then we continue. We just continue to be steady. And so one of the bright spots I think in the past decade has been watching the transformation of Summer Shine. Oh man. Watching what she has been able to set her feet and her hands to. She has been she has attacked her recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she that's has a good attacked word. it. Um and she has made it priority. Um so you can go back and listen to the podcast of Summer's story, but just to let you know, she is she was a volunteer with us. Then she uh, relapsed into drugs and prostitution, and she came and and re- actually God woke me up in the middle of the night and said, "Call Summer." I'm like, we haven't talked to her in months. I just don't even think she'll answer. She answers. She was in New Orleans. I mean, in the at the end of her life. I mean, truly at the end where the darkness just would have wanted to take. And she has this incredible story of. Um, 
redemption and, and really how God brought her back well, to and life. Of seeing the darkness. <laughs> of seeing the darkness. Yeah. I mean, she really did see the darkness and um, tried to, you know, commit suicide I think roughly about seven times and kept being revived in New Orleans hospitals. And she was at death's door. And um, we ended up getting back in connection with her bringing her to Waco, Texas, getting an airline ticket, getting her here, and then partnering with a recovery home in South Texas. And within a few months, she had just committed, this is, this is not, this is not going to be my life story. Mm -hmm. This isn't going to be my end. I'm going to have a business plan and I need to come back. And Jesus said, love needs to invest in my new juice bar. (laughs) And we're like, what? Um, So she started in Victoria and kind of Temple Colleen. Um, She restored her marriage. She restored her relationships with her children. And then um, we were able to facilitate and help with the business plan process, but really just support her. So in the back of Lovely Enterprises, if you haven't been here, there's a commissary kitchen. A lot of that was Summer's idea. She said, you know, you could create this kitchen. I'm starting a juice bar. I want you guys to invest in me. um, And you've helped me so much. And it'll be a way for me to give back to Mm -hmm. Jesus Said Love. I can pay rent here if you outfit this kitchen. So we raised $9,900. I think uh, Baylor, Scott, and White were some of the donors of our kitchen, if I'm correct, right? And then um, they helped to support the commissary. So Luna launches out of there. She gets a contract. She was the first contract signed at Magnolia. Amazing. Mm -hmm. She... It rained the first days there, 40 days and 40 nights. Like, That's rained. right, it did. That's right. So we were like, uh-oh, what's this going to be? But then one summer, she sold $30,000 in watermelons. In these tiny little watermelons. <laughs> Ingenious. Like, it's great. She cut the top off and put a blender and stuck a fat straw in it and said, show me your melons. And she- <laughs> that, was her, that was her hashtag. And it, it was it marketing was genius. And so she went on to hire women in recovery. She began to mentor women within Jesus Said Love. And now she has sold Luna which is incredible as a businesswoman. Effective January the 1st. Effective January 1st. So she has not. She has founded and launched a profitable business that she's been able to turn a profit and sell. And now she is a nonprofit founder and exec director of Sunshine Recovery Homes. And her focus now is on short-term uh, recovery housing for women. So she has launched Sunshine Recovery Homes and Unshakable Milkshakes, which is her social enterprise. So it's been cool to see how lovely has been a social enterprise. And Mm -hmm. now Summer is doing her own nonprofit work and her own social enterprise. Just incredible multiplication there. Yeah. Beautiful story of redemption. Yes. And just... I love her, and she's a pain in my side sometimes. <laughs> Y'all and, love each other. And beginning in January, she may be absent here out of jazz. Yes. She also um, leads a women's recovery group that meets up here called Fight Club. And Fight Club is an all-female. The only AA, all-female. The only all-female AA group. And I was just up here last Wednesday night, and there was 30 to 50 women who yeah. are coming here weekly. So mm-hmm. it's an incredible use of our space for women pursuing recovery. Number nine podcast. You know, I love this one. And that, you know, we have talked about doing a podcast for several years now. Mm -hmm. And towards the end of last year, we were like, are we going to do this? Let's just do it. Gotta go. And so we rounded the corner into the new year. And I believe February, the beginning of February was the launch of our first episode. Yes. And I remember when we recorded our intro, um, 
and you were trying to direct me. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. And I was getting so frustrated with you because I'm like, you've never done this either, okay? So you quit trying to be perfect because you've never done this, and let me do my thing. And I think that we have eased into this, and we love it. Like, mm. you're taking a picture of me right now <laughs> as we talk. But it has been so fun. It's been fun to connect with you, Emily, as you take a picture of yourself. <laughs> it's been fun to connect with so many fantastic guests and hear stories. So the reason why it's cool is because we now had no idea how much resonance this podcast would create. Totally. 28,000 listeners. We've been doing podcasts for how long? Well, a since few February. Months? Yeah, since mm-hmm. February. And so that listener base is awesome. It's from all over the United States. Um, and we love hearing the questions that come, that information that people want to know. It really gives us so much life to be able to set intentional time aside each week to record these podcasts well, and, and to talk get about content, talk, content out. Talk about content and topics that are dear to us, that are important to us, that we may not necessarily have a stage or somewhere to do it, and to be able to mm-hmm. talk about it honestly. Yes. Like, you know, it's yes. just important. So yeah. if you're a listener, thank you for being a part of this journey. This is the last episode of 2019, and season two begins in January. And I want to jump in and just say the Brett and Emily that you guys hear on the podcast is the Brett and Emily that you will <laughs> meet in the office, that you'll see at HEB. Like, there's no persona or anything. Like, this is them. It's authentic. It's real. It's literally like you're sitting in the office with us. So True. I will say, love it. Yeah. And um, so the coolest thing that has come as a tangible from the podcast just in the few short months that we've been on the air doing this is that we had a listener who said, you know, I'm now the CEO of a hardwood flooring company and in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Do you guys, since you're talking about your access students and job training, do you have any access graduates in the Dallas Fort Worth area who might mm-hmm. want to come on and be an exec assistant? I was like, you're not going to believe this, but absolutely. We do. <laughs> we do have someone, and her name is Elise, who you just heard on the podcast because we got to share this story. Yeah. But through our listeners, That's right. they stepped forward and provided a job that for, Elise. Then, for Elise that then changed the trajectory, and now she's hired on as a survivor advocate for another organization that we work with called Unbound. Amazing. And she has broken the generational poverty cycle for her family. Yes. Making a salary, mm-hmm. benefits, an amazing story. Working with survivors. And that's all because... Um, of the hard work that Elise did, but also because our listeners stepped in and said, I want to be a part of the solution mm-hmm. in employment. I love it. It's yeah. So it's not about us. It's about the it's story. A, it's about the story and it's about you out there listening and something that's being said breaks off in you and you've got to do something about it. This right. is an active, this is reciprocal. This is all of us in this together. And Making a I change. think the podcast has just been one of the funnest things we've it's done so this cool. year. It's one of my so favorite fun. things. I love it. Okay, number 10. This is it. We're about to round it up and close it up. Mur, 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 mur. Like a wild torch. <laughs> wild torch. <laughs> wild torch. You know, we since we started this thing, we never did fundraising events. And we and then a couple of years into to Jesus Said Love, we were like, well, we need to raise some funds. So we, I came up with this great idea, and I still think it's awesome, but it flopped tremendously. It was called Jesus Said Rock. Oh, man. <laughs> burr, 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 burr. I found some old posters one year of Jesus Said Rock, and I was like, uh, what is this? Oh, my God. It did so, not rock. Y'all are so ugly. I think the first year we raised $427. you got to start somewhere. It's all part of the True. artistic process. We knew music had to be a part. So then it was like after the second year, we lost my, it was dumb. And so we we're like, we're not doing this. And. 
<laughs> and so then I think we took two years and Emily, you kept having this beautiful idea of we've, how do we make the sex industry accessible to those with means? Mm-hmm. That was kind of your, the question or the statement rolling around in you. And you were like, the arts and story. Mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. And so we, we just began to dream this idea of how we could get people with money into a beautiful space and then hijack them with stories. <laughs> Robin of, did it. Totally. And just hijack them with stories of what, because they weren't thinking about that. They weren't thinking about the commercial sex industry. But how do we do that? And in 2015, we had our very first Wild Torch at the beautiful Waco Hippodrome. Yeah. And there was like 320 people there, and it was incredible. It was mm-hmm. magical. So take us through. So that was what year was the first one? 2015. Yeah, 2015. At that time, um, there was kind of a creative energy that started happening in Waco. the The Hippodrome had just been redone. Magnolia was launching, but there were kind of all of these creatives who were kind of on the fringe and. And, and wanted to be involved in kind of something different. And so, I mean, we had art, we had live art on the patter, on the, on the patio. We had black Oak art who wasn't even black Oak art at the time. Yeah, no, they were he, just he, he wasn't he even went, on the show he, yet. I think. No, he went on the show. He went on the fixer upper show and, and I don't think black Oak was even a thing yet. He was just a potter and, and he came out and like slung clay for our donors to see. And then we auctioned off this beautiful vase. Um, we had live music going on. We just elevated the whole experience of story and art and wove it together through song. Um, and so that year alone, we just thought it was a success because it was something different that Waco didn't have in terms mm-hmm. of a fundraiser. But we raised forty eight thousand eight thousand dollars the first year, 2015. 2016, we raised... 52000 2017. Uh, uh, or 2016. Did I say that? No, 2015, 2016, 2017, $227,000. Uh, okay. So that was a... What in the world happened? (laughs) And I think what happened in some senses was that, first of all, people started becoming aware of the issue of sex exploitation in our community. Mm -hmm. There was an increased awareness. Um, Our sheriff was doing a lot of good work surrounding human trafficking. Other agencies in the Human Trafficking Coalition was becoming really visible. But also, we decided to talk about we had a building. We had an access program, and we increased our monthly donor givings that yeah. year, which greatly changed the game for our mm-hmm. annual You want to know what else was, was cool about, but I guess at that point in the life of Wild Torch, was if you looked in that room in that space, you had pastors, business owners, um, United States congressman was there. Mm-hmm. Um, the mayor has been there since day mm-hmm. one. Uh, members of the city council, law enforcement, Sheriff Parnell McNamara has been there every single year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Local, bit, I mean, educators, but you've also had women from the industry also yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was this just beautiful conglomeration of everyone moving and eating and laughing and drinking and celebrating together, all for something that was really, really important. Mm-hmm. And we cried together, we've laughed together, and we're changing the world together. And, you know, 20, 2018, 
was fantastic. It was, I think, 197. And, you know, then 2019, and we were going to, year five, take it to the limit. And we moved it outside (laughs) and did all the things. And you can listen to a previous podcast where we talk a little bit about the growing edges that we learned from that and facing failure, I think is the And podcast. while we, you know, that was not a major money-making year for this year. And this has been a hard year financially for yeah. us, mm-hmm. primarily because of, of wild torch, I believe. Um, but I wouldn't change it for the world because of, because of how we've learned as yeah, leaders, right. um, how we've listened to our donors mm-hmm. and the people who believe in us and they've, been gracious and some have been very direct and (laughs) might not want to do that again, Brett. You need to know your audience. Um, Wild Torch 2020 is going to be off the chain. We're going back inside. Um, We're not going to the Hippodrome. We are going to... Go ahead and tell them. Wago Convention Center. Wago Convention Center. Yeah, and it will be... Mark your calendars for October the 12th. 12th. Okay, so October 12th, Wild Torch 2020 is coming to Waco, Texas, and we want you to be involved. Why it's so cool that it's at the convention center is not just because it's a very, you know, it's an indoor environment, so we're reducing some risk that way, but it is literally on the same plot of land right next to overlooking the former red light district mm-hmm. in Waco. Waco, Texas was the, the second of the legal red light district in the nation. So this is very significant. We cannot mm-hmm. wave to weave in um, some of that story as well into the narrative and bring it from past to present and um, the impact that, that you can make and that we can have on and changing the future for generations to come. October 12th, 2020. Wild Torch 2020. So, it's been quite a decade. It's been quite a Yay! decade. Yeah. I don't even, we did it. We went we through the it. 10. 10 to 10. And, you know, I will say it again. I, I will say it every single day. We couldn't do what we do without all of you out there who mm-hmm. listen, all of you who pray, all of you who give, all of you who come and volunteer your time or bring by gifts or bake pies or participate in mission trees in local churches, um, or just send emails of mm-hmm. encouragement. Mm-hmm. I mean, just your words of when you said this, this is what it did. I mean, all of that puts wind in our sails to keep going. Cause I'm not going to lie. This work is hard some days, some weeks, some months, mm-hmm. and everyone who works here currently or who has worked here in the past has, has some scars. Right. And they're, they're worthy scars. Yeah. They're scars that matter. And I just want to leave with this. We had a donor come by, um, a couple of days ago and she had called you and said, Mm -hmm. how many staff members do you have? Mm -hmm. And so we said five and she and her friend came by and they brought us some chocolate and they brought us some gift bags. Mm -hmm. And when everybody opened their gift bags, she showered our staff with some significant monetary gifts Mm -hmm. and it, just blew us all away that someone would think about us. Yeah. And so you know who you are. Thank you. We can't <laughs> thank say you, thank you, you enough. Thank you. But just know that you, that we're all in this together. Yeah. And we got we there's ten more I, I think there's ten more years in us to do this and to see where this thing's gonna go. So mm-hmm. well um, we have some we have some big vision and we've got some work 
to do. Oh, man. So we do have our 2020 access program starting. If you want to be a part of that, as you heard about the program, if you want to sponsor a woman, um, it costs $4,300 for one woman to go through it. And we are currently looking at um, getting sponsors for those students. So please be a part in the amazing thing that we're doing because every single one of those women, women changes the economic impact of your city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She gains employment. She brings in revenue um, and changes the trajectory for her children by yeah. gaining employment. If you are one of those who you actually have year in giving plans, I can't tell you enough how important that is to us and other nonprofits yes. around. And so if you're an, a year in giving plan kind of person, I hope you'll consider us as you can see, you have already done a lot of work mm-hmm. and we have a lot of work to go. And mm-hmm. so the year in giving helps us project for how we budget for 2020. And, you know, you have a couple of weeks left until the end of the year. So I hope you'll think about us and uh, we'll, we'll be so grateful. That's so, right. This is it. y'all. Happy new year. Happy, Happy new 2020. Year. And let's, um, yeah, as we look back, you know, we, as the song, as the song says, drink a cup of kindness um, for old times past and, and what really God has done over the past decade. So mm-hmm. we look at that through a lens of great faithfulness and, and can drink a cup of kindness to that. Hey, thanks for joining the Jesus Said Love podcast. We are so glad you have chosen to awaken hope and empower change with us. We want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a review Yes, because your voice matters. It's how we get this message into the world. And lastly, be sure to follow Jesus Said Love on Instagram and Facebook for up-to-date info and visit the website at JesusSaidLove.com for how you can join the JSL fam. Until next time. Share the love.